the incomparable. Number 372, September 2017. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And, you know, the funny thing about hosting a podcast for 370-odd weeks in a row is uh, you start to go through all the things that you've already read and already seen and uh, favorites of the past. And you those are easy episodes because you don't have to spend 20 hours uh, watching a TV show or something like that. And the problem is, after seven years, I have used up a lot of that stuff. And then there are these glaring holes in my knowledge where there are things that people love that I've just not seen and I don't have time to watch. Um, and that is the case this week. So I have been very lucky to surround myself with wonderful panelists who are sometimes hosts themselves. And if there were a topic related to a very popular subject like Star Wars that I can't cover, I'm pretty sure that if I threw caution to the winds and opened the radio waves to receive a podcast from people who are not me, it could possibly happen. Let's try that now. Welcome, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am not Jason Snell. We had an idea about doing an episode about another Star Wars topic because we've been having so much success with Star Wars lately, what with our giving Lucasfilm all of this great advice on who to pick to replace Colin Trevorrow uh, for episode nine. They totally listened to us, y'all. Today, we're going to talk about something that Jason hasn't seen, so he's handed the microphone over to me. My name's Chip Sutterth. I host This Week in Time Travel, along with my co-host, Alyssa Frankie, on the very network you're listening to. We're talking about Clone Wars and Rebels, the two animated series that Lucasfilm produces and takes seriously, doesn't have Lego characters in. The reason we're doing it right now is that the fourth season of Star Wars Rebels starts on October 16th on Disney XD in the States. We discovered that lots of folks on the network are fans of the animated series. Light spoilers ahead. Glenn Fleischman may ruin our game shows, but we won't ruin your TV watching if you haven't seen Clone Wars and Rebels yet. Uh, with me on the podcast today, he's been shepherding Lex Friedman through the movies on Not Playing. It's Mr. Dan Moore, and hello. Hi, Chip. Thanks for having me here. I'm looking forward to talking about these shows, which are very near and dear to my heart. Well, it's also inconceivable that we would talk about Rebels without Liz Miles. Hello. How's that for a deep reference there? <laughs> I got give, it. I, I think you got to give it. her two minutes before she comes up with the, the right response. <laughs> I think I got it. You know, it hit me earlier today that every 1980s sci-fi anime show seemed to have a character on it named Sparks. Hello, David Sparks. Here I am, Chip, to be the uh, local Sparks. May the, the force is strong with this one. All right. My co-host on This Week in Time Travel on this network, the very same Alyssa Frankie I mentioned earlier. Hi, Alyssa. Hey, good to be on talking about more nerdy things. <laughs> and finally, once again, we have not Tony and Tony on the same podcast. Hi, Tony Sindelar. Hello, nerds. May the force be with you. I knew somebody was going to say, and also with you, and it just didn't happen this time. <laughs> I, I thought it. And then I thought, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not going for that. <laughs> I'm better than that. I used to be an altar boy, and I didn't even say it. <laughs> we have 
10 seasons worth if we count the upcoming episodes of Rebels uh, of TV and only one episode of The Incomparable to do it. So we're going to do a real high-level view of this, and if people like what we're talking about, we may deep dive into more specific episodes and story arcs and things like that on the TV network. But uh, the first question I wanted to throw out to the table, you know, why in the name of heaven does animated Star Wars actually work? And why do we grown-ups gravitate to it? Because these are really, really popular series. And a great many people would probably argue that they are far better than the prequels that preceded them. That is because that is true. That is why we say that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, to a certain extent, it's because I think it's because it's all we have, right? There really hasn't been a live action Star Wars TV show, though, despite rumblings like Lucas was promising one for many years that never came to fruition. Uh, just as well, I think we can all agree. Uh, Star Wars is, you know, traditionally kind of been a Bink's Green movie affair. And so, you know, when these things came out and given the fact that they're officially blessed by Lucasfilm, they're mm-hmm. canon. Uh, I think that that got a lot of people excited about seeing what was going on here. So in, to a certain extent, I think we hung on to it at first. And, and I, I say that as someone who came to Clone Wars kind of late um, because I did not. Uh, I had seen some of the were the um, uh, the the really short ones that are done in like the cell shaded style that were done That's- in the. The Jenny Tar- Tartakovsky. Yeah, um, I was going to mispronounce his name, so I decided yeah. to let Tony do it. Yep. Um, <laughs> I saw those like when they came out, and they were cool, but like it didn't seem like a you know that wasn't like a long sustained thing with like serial like character development and all that. And so I kind of skipped these when they first came out, but I went back and rewatched them all right around the time I think the last season was coming out, and was impressed at how good they were. And and I'm someone who's seen a lot of like animated shows and and is an ardent defender of those shows being more than just for kids for a lot of cases. And I think this this fits in quite well in that uh, assembly of, of shows that appeal to both kids and adults alike. Yeah, people don't realize they had a theatrical release to kick all this off. And um, and I was I was super into Star Wars and I was ready for something after the prequels and uh, the theatrical release was was I kind of thought terrible. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I'll, I'll never forget the um, Ahsoka, one of the characters I came to love, uh, started calling Anakin Sky Guy and he called her Snips in the movie. And I was thinking, this is not for me. So it took me a couple of years to finally give it a try. A good friend said, no, 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 it got really good. And and for me. Uh, Clone Wars retconned the prequels. It almost fixed the prequels to a little bit yeah. in my head. It's that's mm-hmm. we don't have enough time to explain that, but I think it can be therapeutic to a certain level, which is kind of weird. But uh, it's it's a really good series. I think for me, I started watching it actually because I was uh, babysitting uh, a kid at the time who was really into Star Wars and really into the series. And so I just ended up watching a lot of it with the kid because he wanted to watch Star Wars and I loved Star Wars and I was willing to give this a try while I was there. And I didn't seriously sit down and start watching it all in order until uh, it was on Netflix uh, and I could, you know, fill in the gaps from nights that I wasn't watching this kid. Um, But, you know, it's a really good complex series that introduces a lot of really interesting characters. And I think one of the things I found appealing about it is there's so many more well-fleshed-out women characters in this show, and they really build out uh, some of the existing women characters from Star Wars. Like, I really didn't fall in love with Padme until this Clone Wars series, because 
it was she was so much more of an interesting character i found she's got uh, so much agency she does more stuff she does and you see her both as like an action hero and a politician and a leader and not just as you know a accessory to anakin's story which was great and with rebels i've watched a little bit of it i haven't watched all of it but i love that it builds out some of the story of the rebellion and you get to see a lot of characters come back and imagine what they will be going through during that time um so i I, it just really builds out the universe for me which is what i love about it well, I've got a lot of warm and fluffy feelings about Star Wars cartoons because one of my earliest memories when I was growing up in the eighties was the good old Star Wars Ewoks. I knew this was going. I prefer don't, droids. Don't, droids don't, all the way. But go ahead, Liz. Whatever, whatever, <laughs> losers. Ah. Ewoks was a great cartoon, and it had one of the scariest villains that I've ever seen that I used to do an impression of and scare my sister. That is, it. It was amazing. Also, I can't remember the character that I wanted to be. She was a princess, though. Nisa. Yeah, so Star Wars cartoons have always been amazing. And uh, sadly, though, uh, with Clone Wars, I kind of bounced off it quite hard. I did try it when it came out, and I was like, I really hate the prequels. This is reminding me of the prequels. Why am I watching this and making myself suffer? But I am absolutely, I know I know there's a lot of really good stuff in it, and I'm absolutely going to try and get again to, to get through it, especially because having just binge-watched the last half of season three of Rebels, I'm like, oh my god, I need more Star Wars cartoons right now. Um, but Rebels, Rebels, oh man. As soon as I heard about it, I was like, this is brilliant. This sounds like my Star Wars because part of what I want in Star Wars is I want the freedom fighters fighting the impossible fight against the evil empire. And the idea of instead of just the big epic set pieces of the movies, which I love, which are great, which are full of chosen ones, seeing the sort of more everyday heroics, the more low-key heroics, and getting to have a narrative where the characters have relationships with each other that last more than 90 minutes, two hours. I was like, yes, this is what I want. This is brilliant. And uh, I think I was, I fell in love with Rebels probably the first time that we like got um, the uh, the ghost uh going into hyperspace and I got like the same thrill that I did whenever that happened to like the Millennium Falcon in the movies and every time there is a big giant battle in Rebels and like the Republic fleet or the Star Destroyers uh, hyperspace in I'm like wow it's that same delicious thrill that happens in the movies except you've got like 20 episodes and it happens like maybe one in three of them that's brilliant that's (laughs) instead of waiting once every two years or once every 10 years or for the sodding prequels, which then make you very sad. (laughs) Tony, uh, this is your chance for a heel turn and to tell us how much animated Star Wars shows suck. No, uh, I am. (laughs) I am a sucker for Star Wars and have in my days consumed way too much expanded universe stuff, which now doesn't even exist, apparently, with the laws of your time. Why did I read all those X-Wing novels, Dan? Why? I don't know, but they're on a shelf behind me. So Um, I got rid of mine. So but yeah, I mean, I, I read lots of Star Wars novels and comics and video games and i am a lover of animated shows in general so a star wars animated show was like that was i was gonna be there i think i missed the opening movie uh which it sounds like probably was was good so maybe that's a recommendation for people who are checking this out is like skip the movie jump back right into the series maybe go check out the movie later uh i've watched the clone wars four or five times through now and I, I think i've only seen the movie the once so and I, I think i'm doing okay with that so i love star wars i like animated shows in general hence you know we're talking a lot about those on other podcasts 
And this is just a great show. I mean, I think this is really kind of the antidote to the prequels. This show uh, depicts like the downfall of Anakin Skywalker in a way that somehow we did not bother to do in three feature movies that we made. <laughs> Whoops. Um, there's all this stuff about the horrors of war from like the point of view of the clones that like mm-hmm. is really affecting. And like people have written like academic papers about like depicting the morality of war in a children's show. What is going on? Um mm-hmm. And uh, it also, like, I have to remind myself, like, this is the only place that Ahsoka Tano exists. She's not actually in the movie ever, ever, which, like, totally trips me up because, like, she's one of the best Star Wars characters. And she's, she's so important, important here. Too. Yes. She needs yes. to be in a movie. And it's she like, needs to be I have movie. to remind myself, like, who play? I was like, who plays her in the movie? And like, oh, yeah, she's not in the movie. That's so weird. Uh like, I mean, I guess similar to kind of like how Mara Jade was a, a, a character in the books and then later a video game, but no one ever played her uh, on a, uh, in the movies because she's never there. And Ahsoka Tano is even more important than that. But it, of that level of like big prominent characters in the expanded universe, uh, they do a lot with kind of fleshing out various Jedi characters that like, you know, they have names and action figures in the prequel movies, but you don't, you don't learn anything about them. And it's just... It's great. It's also the weird thing where it's a kid's show, but it does these long running plot threads where like this season will be like we're going to focus with a huge arc on like this military campaign, which feels kind of against how normal kids shows go where they tend to be very episodic. Uh, So that reminds me of of things I like, like when Justice League Unlimited does things like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I was with this show the whole way through. I was actually kind of bummed when uh, Rebels got announced because they didn't give Clone Wars like a proper ending, and that made me sad. And I've gone and like watched the like animatics of the, the incomplete unfinished. ones. Yep, yeah, yep, I watched yep. all the animatics of the stuff they didn't finish. Uh, so like, I was like bitter when I was like, ah, Rebels. They just want to do something closer to the movies because that'll be like more popular. And I was sad. I am sad that like Clone Wars didn't get like a, a legit ending. Uh, but Rebels is fantastic. So you know, <laughs> way to make me the jerk. But <laughs> you know, it's like I'm angry that you guys made a show that's actually quite lovely and does some stuff you know things where characters from clone wars return who i love and i i'm i'm being as spoiler minimal as i can there are characters from the extended universe who like don't exist after like how lucas has rewritten the canon that are then like recanonized by making them appear in star wars rebels yeah. and that's just like a weird thing to, this is a it's, weird it's, life to be living it's weird but kind of awesome i was gonna yes. say i think the um you know I don't think it's spoiling anything to say that they've announced that this season of Rebels will be the last season of Rebels. No! Um, yeah, but, you know, they've also said they're not done doing animation. So it's going to be, I feel like, you know, and Chip and Alyssa, you'll probably be here with me. It's like when, you know, there's a new doctor, right? Like, and yes. everyone's like, no, I like the old one so much. This new one's going to be terrible. It's the same thing here where it's like, oh, I like the old show so much. But I'm, then everyone I'm will fall in love change. with the new show. Yeah. We're going to throw a fit and then we're going to be okay. And then everything's going to be lovely again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the way it always works. I would say I'd call out Dave Filoni. I mean, before we get any further, he's the guy at Lucas who was behind both of these series. And uh, and I believe he worked a lot with George Lucas. But I mean, he really yes, has he been the guiding force of, of bringing this to us and making a show for kids that adult nerds like us can fall in love with. I've seen him on a number of panels at the Star Wars celebrations, and he is uniformly pretty delightful and clearly loves the source material and will even make defenses of the prequels that I want to argue against. But like, I kind of see where he's coming from and, you know, it did enable them to do some of these storytelling. So he's just a very enthusiastic and clearly quite talented person 
along with the uh, the rest of his crew mm-hmm. there. Yeah, he he directed a bunch of Avatar: The Last Airbender episodes, so you can see how that there's a kind of connecting thread there of you know kids shows that adults can totally love as well. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, let's focus for the moment on Clone Wars itself, and then we'll sort of put it in the background and pick up with Rebels. Both shows I came to late. I was not prepared to accept or like them uh, for different reasons, and a lot of what you all are saying about Clone Wars applied to me. And I didn't get into it until people started talking about it going off of Netflix, and oh my God, I must binge And every time I came close to missing the deadline for the show to disappear from Netflix came close and I was angry because I was a couple seasons behind, I'd get a reprieve. But Clone Wars was launched in October 2008 on Cartoon Network with designs inspired by Jendi Tartakovsky. Did I get that right? His uh, 2003 series, uh, which is strangely enough, no longer actually canon. So characters like Asajj Ventress just sort of appear in Clone Wars if you're just paying attention to canon exclusively without a proper introduction. She's just there. Anyway, it premiered in October on Cartoon Network with the theatrical release just a few months before in August. And I remember when I finally watched that movie, the opening scenes before we get into Snips and Sky Guy and all this stuff, that Sky Guy thing disappeared fairly quickly in the series – I suddenly realized that I was watching a cleaner and slightly less nihilistic Warhammer 40K. <laughs> because because uh, you have this opening, just brutal land war between the clones and the droids. It, it is very much war movie, very intense. And the show over the six seasons of it just becomes more and more epic and more and more involved. Unlike Rebels, which comes later, Clone Wars is sprawling and it doesn't spend a whole lot of time with particular characters. It's almost like Game of Thrones meets Star Wars. It's kind of anthology-ish too, right? Like it jumps around. There are different plot arcs, you know, different stuff, you know, like series of episodes in like a little arc. And we do have characters that we jump back and forth to. But I think Game of Thrones is a good comparison in terms of like the sprawling nature of this cast. There will be characters that you do not see for episodes at a time, right? Or even like a big chunk of a season that you might then come back to. And a lot of times stuff, you know, because it's sort of progressing as the, against this larger backdrop of these wars, there is stuff happening to these characters in the background that when we meet up with them again, they've been through a lot of stuff that we're not necessarily aware of. I'm thinking in particular episodes dealing with the clones, which are some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. We follow the progress of some of these clones from like basically starting out to becoming old veterans right and there's a lot of stuff that happens when we are when they are off screen that we have to sort of fill in the gaps to a certain extent different personalities it's it's goes goes beyond names but so many of these different clones have character arcs that are barely if at all hinted at in the prequels yeah can we mention just d bradley baker for a second as the voice of all of the clones and yet manages to make them distinct and interesting, despite the fact that these are clones of fundamentally the same person, and yes. it's the same voice, he manages to imbue all these different voices with distinct personalities that even just watching them on the screen, like, you can hear which ones are which. It's a, That man is amazing. He deserves so many accolades, and I think he probably gets very little broad <laughs> recognition for it. 
it's also like a weird reversal on like we have made these these armies we have the, the clone and the droid uh armies fighting and like the clones are inherently clones so that like they're not people and you don't care about them for the in the purposes of the prequels and then this show is like nope they're actually people let's let's explore their individual hopes and dreams and the challenges of being like trained and bred for battle and how that like messes you up uh it, it, which is kind of weird <laughs> like <laughs> Let, let us undo something the prequels did. So, and, and the battles are brutal, and yeah. some of them that you get attached to die. I mean, it's 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 heavy. Some of this stuff. They also, without too many spoilers, really go into sort of the lead up to Order sixty six in the yes. prequels, and really exploring how dark that is. That these are people and individuals, and they are going to be ordered to do something horrible to people that they genuinely care about. Like, you see these really deep relationships build between clones and Jedi over this series, and it, like, really makes it, like, by the end of this, it gets really disturbing. Mm-hmm. It's also worth mentioning, you know, a lot of people love the kind of the gray characters in the Star Wars trilogy. There's a lot of bounty hunter characters introduced in this series as well, and, you know, some of those are my favorite characters. Uh, and there's a lot of episodes that are like, again, kids show for adults that are like homages to classic westerns and and things like that. Yeah, two words for you, which may provoke cheers or cringes. <laughs> Hondo Onaka. He's uh, cheers. 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 Yeah. 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 Who doesn't like Hondo? Yeah. Oh my goodness, he's he's in Clone Wars. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know I didn't the, know this. At the Disneyland Star Wars thing they're doing, they're going to have a walk around Hondo there. <gasps> oh, you can wow. meet Hondo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay, now I, I have to watch. I love sold, Hondo. Sold, Rebel, David. So. Wait, where do I where do I throw my money? Um, <laughs> I think I have a lot of people hanging out at my house when that opens up. A lot of people going through hotel sparks. <laughs> Your house is nearby. Tell me more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to say on the clone front, what's interesting to me too. We discussed the relationship with the prequel movies. There is at least one major clone character who does appear in the movie, and it's so weird because that's also like his finale of that character yes uh, so. and it's so depressing to see that character who you've like feel like has developed this like whole personality and you have like a lot of empathy for him and whatever and like then in the prequel he's given like two seconds on screen and summarily you know kind of dealt with his the fallout there and it's it's a little like like tony commenting about ahsoka not being in the prequels it's even more disturbing in some ways to have a character in the prequels but with no acknowledgement of any of the history of that character. But but Dan, there's another one that we love in the and and the one of the clones who is in episode six. Yeah. Yes. You don't know about that? Oh uh, yes, I, I do know about that. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Hello, elliptical references to people for, for, for the benefit of Sorry. people who have seen <laughs> I was them all. Ask, way over people's heads. Did anyone else uh play the Star Wars Republic Commando game? because uh, that was like just a few years before Clone Wars. Uh, and as a game where you control a squad of commandos in the Clone Wars, and they did a great job there with like having the clones have personalities and nicknames and habits. And that was like, I feel like that, like, there's almost like a little bit of the DNA there that like you would then they would totally build off of it going into Clone Wars. But that was also like the first basically piece of Star Wars spinoff where it's like, oh, they could have done interesting things with the prequels. They just forgot to. Um, so, yeah, Star Wars Republic Commando. I think it's like 2005 ish. Uh, really great squad video. Uh, squad fighter video game okay so a key point here that we've all made is that clones are important to the clone wars show got it Uh, Mm um other aspects of it Alyssa, could you expand a little bit you were talking about the female characters in the show that are given a chance to shine 
Yeah. So I think one of the things that really sort of bothers me about the prequels is that they have such an opportunity to expand the world of the Jedi. There are no speaking female Jedi characters in the entire prequels. Like they are visible in some of the big battle scenes. And Clone Wars does a really great job of giving these additional characters really fascinating characters and story arcs and personalities. And that to me is sort of one of the really fantastic things because I grew up loving Star Wars and like that was the game I played when I was a kid of running around and being a Jedi and I had people tell me you know girls can't be Jedi you know even though by the end of the original series we know that Leia you know has the same abilities that Luke does and then it got kind of worse with the prequels because they were there in the background but they're not really important characters in the universe you know they they just sort of appear to wave a lightsaber around for a little bit, and then they vanish. And there are so many fascinating characters. And obviously, Ahsoka Tano is the really most important one here, that we see her grow as a young woman. We see her grow as a military commander. We see her grow as a Jedi. And she has the most fascinating character arc, I think, of all of the characters in Star Wars. Um, and one of my favorite actually non-canon expansion materials is there's an online webcomic called Contrasts uh, that builds like sort of the story of Ahsoka Tano and uh, Barris, another young woman Jedi apprentice. And so I love that it's given this opportunity to sort of expand the universe and opportunities for young girls to sort of see that. And I think one of my favorite things is seeing how the fandom has just sort of fallen head over heels in love with these characters. You know, you can't go to a convention now without seeing a half dozen Ahsoka Tano cosplays, which are not easy to do. They are building these really impressive prosthetics to really cosplay her. And it's fascinating to see what they do with that. And then, as I said before, I love everything uh, that they do with Padme in this series, because she really gets to be her own independent character. You know, there are whole episodes with her in which Anakin only features like tangentially in the background, because she's off doing something else important, and doesn't need him there to have that story. And they build those relationships between the female characters. Padme and Ahsoka have this wonderful relationship that develops over the few seasons that they are featured together in the show. And it is a really interesting relationship because they're almost peers, but not quite. And that Padme really treats Ahsoka like an equal person, but there's also a mentorship happening there um, that Padme is, you know, helping her grow into being the incredible young woman that she becomes. So I think that's really one of the things that I love about it, that it expands the universe for everybody to find someone like themselves in it. Ahsoka so great. She <laughs> they, is. <laughs> they made a book about her. I don't know if you guys have read it, but it's it's even it's, good. You know, it's talking on about my how Christmas she, list. And it's on my to do list things. as well. It sort of yeah. bridges uh, between uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. Another important character, to say the least, but not the sole focus of the series, is of course Anakin Skywalker, who is played non annoyingly by Matt Lanter. He is just a little bit more engaging than Hayden Christensen was. I will say, uh, if you haven't seen the NBC show that started last year called Timeless, 
Matt Lanter plays one of the leads in that as well. And I have very fond feelings of him in there because of the his portrayal of Anakin Skywalker, which is just a weird thing to say about Anakin Skywalker, who is otherwise <laughs> a plank of wood in all the movies. <laughs> you know, it's, isn't it true, though, that like if you watch the series, to you, Anakin Skywalker is Matt Lanter. It's not Hayden yeah. Christensen. Yes. I mean, I don't even yeah. think about that Hayden Christensen character. It's it's so it's night and day. I mean, Matt Lanter really manages to do a great job taking what is a a linchpin character and just like actually giving him the kind of depth and dimensionality that he needs because this whole thing is, you know, the Clone Wars isn't necessarily about him, but like so much of Star Wars hinges upon him that the biggest problem with the prequels and there are many but probably the biggest is the fact that anakin skywalker's journey which we're supposed to be following just just falls apart and so watching and, and certainly in the um having the format of a tv show lets you do a lot more lets you explore a lot more than you can necessarily do even in three you know feature films and so we get a lot more chance to sort of realize like there's there's some good in this guy like he's very talented he means well but he is reckless and he does have a dark side and and you really seeing that teased out and developed over the course of several seasons of a tv show lets you have so much more freedom and i think they really take advantage of that yeah one of my few criticisms of clone wars is that Anakin is practically the only fun-loving guy in the entire <laughs> series, and so, of course, he's doomed. <laughs> I don't know. Obi-Wan's got a pretty good sense of humor in this one. Very like, dry. They, 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 they sort of really complement each other well in the series that he's also, you know, he's relatively fun-loving. He's just, you know, a lot more focused than Anakin is. He's not going to start, you know, stupid sh- just okay. for the sake of it. <laughs> Nothing can bring Hondo down. He's 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 gonna be. Yes. He's a survivor. <laughs> so um, yeah, Obi Wan, the Obi Wan character in the prequel movies was, you know, as much as was wrong with the prequel movies, I did really enjoy seeing young Obi Wan, and I thought that they did a really good job in these animated series of of carrying him through, and he's even showing up in Rebels too, which is kind of awesome. Oh, yeah, which we will get to. Lots of threads in the series, as we've uh, already alluded to. There are several episodes that take place on the planet Mandalore, which is initially of interest only to old school fans who wrote off for uh, who sent in their proofs of purchases for the Boba Fett action figure. Prior to Clone Wars, you have to be uh, 100% nerd about Star Wars to even know what Mandalore is, but that becomes a through line throughout the series that extends on into Rebels. Yeah, a civilization built on jetpacks. So. Yes! <laughs> and cool helmets. Yeah. Um, other uh, stuff. Vibroblades. Uh, so, yeah. uh, George Lucas, because this was being produced when George Lucas was still running Lucasfilm, uh, the hand of George is very apparent in Clone Wars. So there are certain episodes that you come across which make you go, oh, George wanted that one, didn't he? And I have discovered that there is one thing worse than Jar Jar Binks, and that's Jar Jar Binks voiced by someone who is not Ahmed Best. That is just like <laughs> the opposite of peak. That is Valley Jar Jar Binks for me. No, that's not even Valley, okay? Let's talk about Jar Jar Binks gets a romantic arc. Oh, oh dear God. sweet God. 
So, so there are canyons. This, there are this canyons. Is a, this is a good time to mention that there is a really great Star Wars The Clone Wars watch list. Because uh, <laughs> Star Wars The Clone Wars is long. It's like 40 hours of animation, right? There is a watch list that's about half that. <laughs> well, that well, that only need- includes the... Uh, overarching plot relevant Jar Jar episodes. So, but, yeah. But some people need to watch television in order. Otherwise, it's just wrong. Well, that's Liz, the thing you're is destined there, to suffer. I don't know what to also, tell you. There are also multiple episodes, multiple possible orders, depending on how you want to watch it. Yeah, and some of them make more sense than others. Uh, I will point out that Ahmed Best does voice Jar Jar Binks in the majority of the series. There just are a few episodes in which he does not inexplicably oh it is and it's just it's just even worse because <laughs> he tried to get out you mean like he's like please don't make me do that again you know I, I did not even know that that was a thing i didn't know there was good jar jar and bad jar jar i think which, oh, i think when jar jar is present like a large part of my brain shuts down to protect itself so i'm learning something today people yeah there's an episode where jar jar is a general too that one's pretty rough oh, oh. yeah I mean, the man gets elected to Senate and like whatever after that. It all makes perfect sense when you think about it. The Uh, one redeeming quality to that Jar Jar as romantic lead to parter is that he's paired with Mace Windu, who has absolutely no patience for this crap. That is maybe the only redeeming Jar Jar episode. (laughs) But you know, there's some really great arcs, too, in this series. I mean, there's some of the are just really I don't even know how this is a kid's show when you watch these. You know, they have these three episode arcs often in the Clone Wars where they tell this amazing story. Yeah. And later in, like the the last couple of seasons, including the so-called Lost season, which went straight to Netflix, uh, you've got pretty much four part story arcs throughout the seasons, which are really, really neat. Uh, Some other stuff that happens in Clone Wars, you get a lot of metaphysics, including a really weird and kind of cool three-parter in the third season where Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka go to this planet in wild space that has these force entity characters, the, the, the father and the son and the daughter or something like that. And Mortis. Yeah, and Anakin has a premonition of what's coming, and there is a flash forward where you see Darth Vader's mask forming out of smoke in the background, and it is just really, really chilling and weird. It makes absolutely no sense, and I don't care. And towards the end of the series, we also get some more metaphysics about the nature of the Force, a story arc with Yoda learning how to preserve his identity after he dies and something like that. So it's actually a, a, a sort of a retcon explanation. And that's sort of needed because having rewatched the prequels fairly recently, that is something that is never really dealt with. And it's dealt with here both for Yoda and in a nice bit of uh, guest appearance, our friend Qui-Gon Jinn, who may not be, who is, you know, seen dead at the end of uh, Phantom Menace, spoilers, is maybe, you know, we learn a little bit more about this whole, like, why some Jedis appear as ghosts after they die and why others don't. But it's something that is really kind of brushed over in the movies. So, like, there's it's interesting that there are more things in the Clone Wars and Rebels series that sort of expand upon things that are left underdeveloped often in the movies because i you know it's tough when there are people who might go out and never watch these things but for those of us who care enough to be you know nerdy and deep dive into this like there's actually a lot of time spent on patching some of those holes yeah uh and there's one last bit that i want to mention that bleeds into rebels as well as star wars and it might be considered a spoiler except it was promoted all over the place so and that is the return of darth maul and i wanted to ask you all if you all thought that that was a mistake or not i initially thought it was a mistake and i came to to really like the character 
Can, can we talk about it in the context of Rebels? Absolutely. Absolutely. As long as you don't, as long as we don't talk about the uh, the last episode there and what happens right at the end. What happens right there? Oh yeah. Oh, that was good. Um, yeah. No, that was really thrilling because I, I it was advertised loads, so I did know he was he was coming up in it, and I was like I was not fooled by his pretending to be a old man with a stick and having a cloak over his head. But it was so exciting, and it was just really cool that he got a character and a voice and motivations and. <laughs> He had a, a sense of being a person. It, it was it's um, a, rather than sort of a, a symbol, which uh, you know the characterization in sequels is not the greatest for <laughs> anyone, to be fair. But I think Darth Maul really had quite a raw deal because I think the makeup for the um, I know he's from Dathomir. I've forgotten what his species is called, which is a bit annoying. Um, but it, it, he looks really cool. But he's not real he's just a thing and that's terrible and so i really enjoyed the the way him he developed this rather twisted relationship with uh ezra the main character in rebels and that he i was slightly taken in by his kind of well i just want to help you know like maybe he does maybe it's, Liz, it's, no, been, it's, Liz, it's, no. it's been 30 years it's been Don't 30 the dark years <laughs> But it's been so long, and he's like, he's been alone. Maybe he's been yeah. thinking things over. He's and Liz, he's you're training with Dan. It's so slow. You're not advancing at the pace you need to. Listen to me. Gaze into this red crystal. <laughs> oh, Liz, you have so much to look forward to when you get to his episodes in Clone Wars. Oh yeah, no, that was. An, I didn't know that he was in Clone Wars until I'd watched the Rebels yeah. episode. So I was like, oh right, there's there's actually quite a lot in Clone Wars. If only I can get past. <laughs> And, Sa- and Sam Witwer, the guy who voices him, he goes through oh, this amazing arc with this character. I mean, it really, he transforms multiple times in that series. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and of course, Maul has a brother. And because George Lucas, the brother's name is Savage Opress, which is just yeah. like, you know, every every time you just think that Clone Wars <laughs> is this pearl of flawless quality then you get mm-hmm. a george lucas name you know it's the star wars universe you're gonna run into a darth spooky face every now and then it's just how it goes <laughs> i mean Look, savage darth opress Spuzzi- is basically the moon moon of the star wars universe yeah. it's just like it's peak <laughs> <laughs> yeah but voiced by clancy brown which is always yeah. good oh yeah Ooh. nothing wrong with that um we need to move on to rebels so uh any closing thoughts about clone wars yes i have one I want to end this podcast now so I can go and start watching it again. (laughs) Then I'm just going to sit on front of my little screens for two days and just inhale it. That's my plan. We need you you for the Rebels segment. We need you so much. (laughs) Other thoughts about Clone Wars? I think there's some in there that are kind of duds. And it's okay if you get one and it's not working for you move on to the next one like i I feel like there's some series in there like they did arcs with like that were just the droids that were made for kids you know and some of the episodes didn't work for me but man the tiny frog general yeah yeah (laughs) we do not speak of that (laughs) but but, but, i mean but that's okay it's a kid's show you got to remember that but once in a while those arcs like mortis trilogy and some of these others are just so deep and if you love star wars you're gonna really you're in for a treat clone wars was ended prematurely after the fifth season Disney bought Lucasfilm, and I suspect Disney had no interest in Lucasfilm producing television series for their competitor, the Cartoon Network. And so the plug got pulled before any really satisfying resolution to the series. There were episodes in the can that got released onto Netflix, uh, so that there was a cancellation announced in March 2013. 
the next year, those remaining episodes, the so-called Lost Missions, showed up on Netflix. Meanwhile, Lucasfilm got busy on an entirely new series that, again, I had absolutely no faith would be any good, and that was Star Wars Rebels. And boy, was I wrong. It's a very different series, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it focuses on a small group. You have a lot more character development. You know, it's where we talked about Clone Wars being this massive kind of scope, you know, Game of Thrones thing. Uh, Rebels is a family. It's a family going through this, you know, after the prequels. If Clone Wars redeems or attempts to redeem the prequels trilogy, Rebels is straight up homage to the original trilogy. And it's kind of the Star Wars everybody wanted, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's it's exactly the Star Wars I wanted in so many ways because it is as I said it's it's the rebellion against the the empire but it it builds up in such a slow steady way that these these you get to, uh, something that I found fascinating is we we come into the rebel alliance with Luke where it's already there it's already set up they're already ready for military action whereas we are right back at the start when they're just these tiny little cells just trying to do little things like get food to people or steal random things or just blow a couple of things up and over the three years so far it gradually has got bigger and bigger and bigger so you really get the sense that the of the momentum building and of something great building and of hope building like yay star wars yeah (laughs) i would say you know especially if there are people who enjoyed the kind of seeing the rebellion as they're just becoming the rebellion in rogue one like this is it even more like they're not the rebellion yet. This starts with just like one planet, basically, where where things are getting complicated, and eventually they're gonna they're gonna turn into this you know political guerrilla uh, army force that will unite across systems. Um, and it's great. And yeah, Chip, exactly like you said, it's a family. You've got the kid, you've got the parents, you've got the other kid. You have the monster that your family keeps around, and the uh, the jerky <laughs> droid. That every what family is complete without a, a droid with an attitude. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. And and as we sort of alluded to, you know, I think what surprised some of us, myself included, starting out was that what started as sort of an isolated, much in the same way that this starts as a cell, you know, of, of the Rebel Alliance, this show starts as its own self-contained thing. And then as we go along, we expand into bringing in more and more characters that have been established both in the existing canon uh, as well as in Clone Wars. So there are several Clone Wars characters who sort of made their reappearance or appearance in Clone Wars who start showing up here. And I think that's a an interesting moment, too, because it means that there are differing, you know, I imagine for people like Liz who did not watch Clone Wars, when you have somebody like Ahsoka Tano show up, and if you're me, like you start tearing up, right? Because like you said, there's no end to Clone Wars. There are characters whose whose fates are left unknown and hanging in the balance. And so to basically, you know, see those characters reappear, it means a lot. If you've spent all those time, invested all that time watching Clone Wars, I have to imagine if you don't, you know, I watched this show with my girlfriend and she had not watched Clone Wars. And so, you know, I have to explain who this character is and why they're so important at that point. Um, but why I you're think crying. It's interesting. Yeah, why are you crying? It's just a cartoon. No, it's really not. It means so much. Oh, well, I have to admit then that I did cry at parts of Ahsoka's arc because, I mean, I knew who she was from, from Clone Wars, so I was aware of her character and I was still excited about her turning up because the idea of her having been Anakin's apprentice, this being 30 years later, mm-hmm. and her not knowing what had happened to Anakin and the hints that she gets and then her, the conclusion to her arc so far in uh, in Clone Wars was just like, wow, that was some, that was 
um, an, an epic. I don't know how much to be spoilery to be here, but that was it was a battle of epic proportions, which was infinitely more satisfying to me than any lightsaber fight that took place in the prequels. This mm-hmm. felt meaningful and deep and powerful, and it was just like, whoa, my heart. This is and personal. This is so sad. Yes, it felt earned in a way that uh, that the prequels did not manage in the least. It was it was pretty <laughs> gosh darn thrilling. Mm-hmm. I watched the first episode of Rebels before I watched a single frame of Clone Wars, and I was prejudiced against it for two reasons. Uh, one, I was so tired of Jedi. I was so tired of Jedi. I wanted to see. Yeah. I wanted to see Han Solos. I didn't want to see Luke Skywalker's. So when I found out that Rebels was going to have a Jedi arc, and that uh, you know, and I'm like, what the heck? The Jedi are all supposed to be dead. This is word word. This is Pudu. Um, <laughs> no, no, Chip, no. Yeah. And then we're introduced to Ezra Bridger, and I was not the only person on the internet to say, okay, this is Disney's Aladdin in space. They even called him a street rat in that first episode. (laughs) Yeah, I had no patience for it, and I uh, put it away. And after my epic Clone Wars rewatch, I went straight into Rebels, and I was like, this is what I've been missing all along. Because these characters have senses of humor all over the place. Yes. Yeah, no, that was definitely one of the reasons that I pinged off certainly early Clone Wars. I don't uh, because no one had any sense of humor. I was like, stop being so poor faced. I watched this for fun, and whereas I started watching this, and I was like, oh my sweet god, they are bantering. There is banter all the time, and I want that in my Star Wars. I want my Star Wars banter, and the the humor is just it's it's just it hits my humor spot so well. So much of it, most especially what I can only describe as. The greatest droid in the Star Wars galaxy <laughs> is Chopper. Oh my god! I think that that says a lot about who you are, Liz. But it is so I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm learning, I'm learning some things. It's so thrilling to meet a droid who is so selfish, vicious, petty. Yeah. If you look everyone. at R2D2 and you're like, why isn't R2D2 sassy enough for my he's, liking? He's so lovable, R2D2. But Chopper was like, oh god, I love, I love that he loves Hera. And nobody else. And Hera loves mm-hmm. Chopper and nobody else really loves Chopper. It's just like, I love your beautiful <laughs> relationship. And the show clearly understands how great Chopper is because, of course, he's <laughs> his own episodes. And he carries those episodes so brilliantly. And then just when I thought, oh, God, Chopper, you megalomaniac, little <laughs> word I can't say, couldn't get any better. He gets a friend. He, he gets, his, he gets his own C-3PO. I, I yeah. honest to God, when I thought his C-3PO AP5 had died, I cried. I really cried. I was like, oh my God, Chopper finally made a friend and he's got him killed. But then no, AP5 is back. And AP5 is every bit the utter um, whatever that Chopper is in his own particular way. I don't know who does the voice, but it feels like they're doing an Alan Rickman They're doing Alan Rickman, unquest- unquestionably. He's, he's, he, is, he is totally Marvin the Paranoid Android. Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. so miserable and he hates Chopper, but also loves him. And I'm like... I just, I, and the show yeah. gave me episodes where they get their own storylines. And I was like, I, yeah, I would watch the spin-off. I, I, would I, think, I think what Liz has hit on here in part, and, and this sort of builds on what you were saying, Chip, about the, you know, kind of being sick of the Jedi going in. I think what, what saved that for me was was Kanan. Uh, and, you know, surprise of all, me of all people, that Freddie Prinze Jr. turns out to be pretty fantastic uh, as an actor in, in this particular role, especially. But I think what's important about that, why I sort of 
was sold on that was that he too this is you mentioned this about a family but it's not like there's one person and we follow like ezra's arc yes ezra's arc is a big part of it but all of these characters have arcs. watching kanan develop and age and go through learning stuff as he is trying to mentor and teach ezra and to a certain extent in later seasons especially sabine is really fascinating watching hera and sabine uh and even zeb you know go through all these changes and like learn things about each other learn things about like this bigger fight that they're involved in all of these characters develop over time even i am so impressed i don't want to give away too much but some of the villains that we see as we go along who could otherwise be very two-dimensional i'm thinking agent callus i mean like what a fantastic and interesting arc to watch these characters develop and again this is something you can do in a tv show that is a lot harder to do in a movie is like look at this vast sort of expanse of characters and and find time to spend with each of them and and develop them as the series goes along so i feel like for me it wasn't as important that it was like oh this is a jedi thing as watching the interactions between these characters and watching them develop and grow over time something you realize with rebels is they really are just a group of broken people as it starts Mm -hmm. everybody Mm. yeah and the series deeply broken deals with all of that um, over these years and and it's really satisfying to watch them grow many of them get more broken as you go yeah Yeah. but in interesting ways i like those pretty cracks you're making my (laughs) beloved favorites i think also i i kind of agree with you when the the idea of it being Jedi was a bit like, really? Wasn't there one Jedi thing? But it, see, it saved it. it. It didn't really, it ended up not bothering me very much because they were just such rubbish Jedi. That it's like this one Padawan, he doesn't have to really have much of a clue what he's doing. And of course, there are people around who have force powers that are just wondering, which is dealt with in the series. But yeah, it was it was the general fact that these are not amazing, super duper thingamajiggery Jedi. These are really quite not know what they're doing very much. They trust all one of them. So. <laughs> My favorite moment in Rebels, it's, it's a small moment, uh, but I'm going to spoil it because it's so, so good, is the episode after Ezra constructs his lightsaber. And it is revealed that he built a stun pistol into the hilt. And, <laughs> and, and, and Kanan, his master, is just sort of astonished, like, why didn't I think of that? All yeah, right. <laughs> That's the, that's the kind of, to a certain extent, irreverence that Star Wars Rebels has that Clone Wars did not have. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the things that also saves Rebels is that it's also very much like a people-focused drama. Like, obviously, the Jedi are there, but, like, it's about the building of the Empire and, you know, sort of the everyday cruel actions that come with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it really doesn't feel like just a battle between, you know, light side, dark side of the Force and, you know, Sith and Jedi against each other. It's just, it's also very much a, this is what happens when, you know, you have a awful, you know, cl- colonial empire that's taking over these communities and you know you can tell what kind of cynical television shows i like to watch but Mm -hmm. like it's it very much feels grounded and real and not totally out of proportion to sort of you know the the quality of the jedi that these are yeah i really like how how low some of the stakes are reduced to and whether they win or lose it's like well if they've won they haven't won very much and if they've lost it's just it's looks like a little loss and i think this is highlighted most spectacularly and gorgeously i find all three of the season finales are amazing quality gorgeous i would take any of them over any of the prequels any day and um God, I've got to be stopping me into the prequels. Some people like them. Sorry, prequels. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the the three big season finales um, are all 
technically, I think, defeats for the rebels and their victory, inverted commas, is managing to survive for another day, yeah. managing to escape. Where uh, And that was kind of one of the things that I feel a bit worried with uh, a prequel to the to the original um, trilogy because the trilogy is about these the chosen one and the grand big epic fights and if we are watching a cartoon series of the prequel and it's not just going to be hopeless and miserable how do we do that whilst making it feel like star wars so there is hope but also not making these characters overpowered so it therefore is like well why didn't they just stop the death star huh why didn't they do it and we can see why they didn't do it because they're we, we see the big epic battles and how they fail and yet it still manages to be hopeful whilst their winning is surviving to fight another day with their resources diminished and it's just oh god i love that there's i don't think that there's a real message to clone wars clone wars is like the history of the star wars universe kind of thing maybe maybe the message is like war is hell yeah 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 yeah. the message for rebels is made pretty explicit in some of the character conversations that you know it's, it's like hope is an act it's not it's not something you have it's something that you have to create for yourself and the meaning of heroism is persevering through defeat you know those sorts of things and i and i find that that's really mature storytelling um gosh yeah we have we have it's- moments in all three of those finales like you said liz where they have to pick themselves up at the end yeah it really, they, oh, I just, it's I like, just watched this finality season three this morning and it was like, wow, that is like, that's top Star Wars, man. It's like that's, every, every season finale is like the end of Empire Strikes Back, basically. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. That is, that is absolutely perfect. I just, I just wanted, because I was scared that what if I'm not going to mention my very favorite thing about Rebels, that would be absolutely terrible. So I just want to say it now. It's Harrison Dula who is, mm-hmm. for my money, one of the best Star Wars characters ever created. Now, the Star Wars as a universe in the films does not have a lot of women in it. And whilst, yes, I sort of want to be Princess Leia, what I really want to be is either, in certain moods, I want to be a cool Jedi Knight, swoosh, 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 or I want to be a Sith Lord, also swoosh, swoosh, swoosh. <laughs> and I got, to, I got to fulfill those heady dreams in um, some of the extended canon of the Knights of the Old Republic and then the Old Republic Empmark, um, massive multiplayer online role-playing game, which gives me that storyline and satisfaction. I'm like, yes, this is great. Um, there is also a smuggler character that you can play in the in the game which is great and i like that but i sort of it'd be nice to have one or two of these characters on a telly screen that i could watch and then hera comes along and she's my perfect um sort of i don't know what the right word uh what's the aspiration figure mary sue without negative connotations whatever one of those things are and it's just like yes that's my smuggler character or freighter captain character who flies a ship and is heroic and clever and smart and the bestest pilot and people respect her and don't question her authority and follow her orders and she is the best one of them and she's in charge and she's a Twi'lek, a species that I absolutely love and adore but gets such a short shrift in the uh, in the movies and it's just like, I, I, I adore her. She's absolutely sodding brilliant and if nothing else Rebels has given the world her Syndulla and she's the best and everyone should love her. Yeah. I, I love her butt. I want to. I, 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 <gasps> oh no! I just want. I just want to kind of throw back here. Uh, out of the I just want to radius. I just want to yes. throw throw this out and and Uh-oh. see if any of you agree or disagree with me. That sometimes I feel like she is written to be too much the mom. No, Does, how how can you say that? 
She's just, the authority. She's the authority figure, Chip. I always, I always kind of have the question of like, she seems like the most competent one, and it's like, how did she get mixed up with Caden? Because this guy. <laughs> so I, I guess the, that's a similar he's charm. He's got some charm to him. The, the uh, answer is, is well, he, she, she loves him. They're in love. I see, I, love I see through his scruffy Jedi charm. <laughs> so, but that oh god, just just add to the list. Get a haircut. They're so, they're so. super. There's super low-key romance through the series. It's just like, oh dear sweet lord, this is beautiful. This is this is it's also I it's I, I don't know if it's ever explicit, but it's definitely one of my favorite Star Wars romances, the way that they do it, the way that it's just in the way it's that under, sometimes it's look understated. each other. Or that yeah, that they touch each other at the same time. Or my very favorite moment is when um Hera's uh, father comes onto the ship and Kanan is just completely stuttering and tongue tied. Yes. It's like, oh yes. my god. <laughs> they, occasionally, they occasionally call each other dear as well. Yeah, she called him love in the finale for the season three. And um and they're parting at the end of season two when they don't get a kiss, but they do get this beautiful hug and then with a sunset background and my heart was just like, Oh my god. And that's the last time she sees him before something terrible happens in the season finale. And I was like, Oh, this is so beautiful. I might have cried then too. I cry a lot in this cartoon. <laughs> I think one of the things I also loved about it is she's the only animated character to get a mention in a Star Wars movie. Both um, she's mentioned in Rogue One and Chopper is in a background scene. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, they're blurring the lines a bit with the new mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, they're also the yeah. Ghost, the ghost is in it. The ghost yep. is there too. Yep. yep. Yeah. Oh, I missed Ghost. Damn and we get at the. No, I don't want to mention that. I don't know. It's difficult to know the spoiler line here. Gosh darn it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and, and not to say too much, but I feel like in some ways that is what the entire series is building towards, right? Is the is what happens in Rogue One. Like, yeah. it kind of yeah. feels like we're on the buildup, right? From the very early stage yeah. of the Rebe- Rebel Rebellion turning into an alliance to, you know, Rogue One and then A New Hope, right? Like, and so that it makes sense to a certain extent, I think, why they're ending the show where they are, because, you know, they're sort of... They're running out of runway a little bit. <laughs> Dare I hope that we get a shot of Jin Erso and Cassian Andor in the background in season four? Mm. I would love Not that. Not impossible oh. given the uh, they've gotten Felicity Jones to do that uh, Forces of Destiny shorts, right? So... Not no quite. I mean, certainly plausible. That would be awesome. I, I, I have heard some nerds make the kind of who have not watched the show, and they say like, I mean, there's there's nerds who are just like, eh, animation doesn't belong in my Star Wars. And then I've hmm. the new version. You of that have I've the prequels. Is, Those are fifty five percent animation. <laughs> Sorry, go they're, ahead. They're you know the, these are people who they don't count that either, and they don't like the books, and they don't like the video games. They have three oh, movies. Lord. What? Uh, yeah, we're, they're not here. I'm just talking about them. <laughs> Where are um, they? Root out these traitors. But like, I feel like <laughs> I've heard scum. The, the new version is like, what's the point of this series? We know they all have to die because they're not in a new hope. And it's like, what? what? Uh, first of all, yeah, maybe some of them will die. These these are shows about war and people die. But also, like, it's a big galaxy. And it's it just like, that is a thing I've heard multiple people say. Like, what's the point? They're all going to die by the end. And I'm like, I... Wow, what a weird way to think about Star Wars. And I mean, so. it, it's not set in stone. I mean, yeah, yeah there's, yeah, there are probably there are casualties in war, and mm-hmm. you know, we've seen that especially in Clone Wars. But it's a very um, big galaxy. But it's so. a very big galaxy. You never know what might happen. Yeah, I so, mean, and it's a kids show. I mean, and it's a kids show, and it could end so before things happen. Clone Wars. I mean, and <laughs> let me point out that there are yeah. some pretty disturbing yeah. um, deaths and consequences among those. I kind of assume there can only be so many Jedi running around at the end of the game, but you know, yeah, who knows? So. Yeah, 
We do get some uh, returning characters that we've already mentioned that showed up from Clone Wars. Captain Rex! Captain Rex. Rex is my favorite. Um, And and there's there's a, you know, there's a bit of a mystery for us who were watching it for the first time is how can he be there because there was order 66 although if you watched all of clone wars you would have probably an inkling of an answer there but i also wanted to mention the uh, appropriation of a beloved expanded universe character I was, that got I wanted pulled to, back this, in time pulled back this, in time is this spoiler are we good because i wanted to talk about Let's this go. they promoted the heck out of it go for it tony Minor spoiler to uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, who was like a much beloved expanded universe character from the Zon trilogy. Uh, possibly the then, character that resurrected Star Wars because possibly. people loved him so Fantastic much in Heir to the Empire. Okay. He's a really this good amazing villain. Amazing tactical general who leads the like the remaining remainder of the Empire in the all the chaos after the movies. Uh, and people love him, and he's this brilliant tactician. And then all the extended universe stuff was thrown in a can. I mean, a can, lab- a can labeled Legends. Um, so, but then now he's back. He's recanonized in the complicated now like Diet of Worms that is Star Wars canon again and again. <laughs> okay, I seem to remember something about how the Throne trilogy was actually the only bit of the expanded universe that they accepted as canon. No, it's canon. it was not was included. Was it's not, not included. True? Was I lied to by was, the internet? It was Clone Wars in the movies, I think, was pretty much yeah, it, pretty with the exception it, yeah. of, like, some comic, Why the Darth Maul comic books, I think. Me? I mean, the, the uh, I mean, I feel like they, it already doesn't work in terms of the stuff that happens in the Zon trilogy okay. and what we're seeing in, in episode and, yeah, 7. Yeah, episode and eight, 7 right? directly contradicts. Yeah, it's yeah, very so. much the same character, just time shifted. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And I think that's incredibly, it's incredibly interesting because they have realized we have this rich, you know, field of all this material that's been developed and, and being able to take that pick and choose from that and reconceptualize characters that's in various really ways. That's much smarter than I smart. It's much smarter than I thought they were. And so. I will say that to those who are, I, don't, I mean, and this has been mentioned, I think, as well, so it's not really a spoiler, but um season four we will see uh thrawn's bodyguard rook also from the original thrawn trilogy the nogri uh oh, voiced by, I didn't know that. Yeah. Voiced oh. by warwick davis oh yay wow. okay mm. i did not know so. i i haven't read the the thrawn trilogy but again i oh. i've read a lot so of wiki pages let me, star let me tell you stuff. i if, love thrawn trilogy so if much if you're a 14 year old boy and there's no star wars tony. around <laughs> tony it is, you will read it like eight times because yeah, yeah. I, i'm I'm familiar with this feeling from Doctor Who and the New Adventures, but um, but no, I, w- I was really thrilled to see him turn up because I love I love the chiss. I think one of my very few criticisms of Star Wars Rebels was that delightful as Thrawn is written and played, it really annoys the crap out of me that you can see his um, pupil and iris instead of just mm. being all red. One of the things that I like about Rebels is that in each season the big bad has been extremely competent. The Inquisitor in season yeah. one. Basically, Darth Vader in season two and Thrawn in season three. And that's a really tough thing to pull off because you want to actually end your seasons on something resembling hope. And you don't want your characters to get defeated at every turn. So it's a they tough balancing act. They horribly. So, you right. Know. 
Right. Uh, one of the things that I, my criticism of Clone Wars is something of a lack of sense of humor. My criticism of Rebels is that as much as I love getting the callbacks from uh, Clone Wars, it feels like the story is expanding beyond my core characters. And it feels, even Dave Filoni has said in a couple of interviews that he didn't expect it, but it felt like uh, Rebels was turning into the conclusion of Clone Wars. And I'm not sure that I really want that. It's Ezra and Kanan and Hera and Sabine and Zeb and maybe Chopper for me. Yeah, I mean, mm. you, you know, you, I think about how they, they move from being on the ghost to how many meetings they now have at Rebel Command. And, and yeah, it's those meetings get bigger and more, more crowded with each season, basically. So. And I think, again, that's just the challenge, right, of having yeah. to deal with, like, how much good can we do as a small cell that is operating on our own versus how much do we need to? And they have this debate, right? Like, Kane and, and Hera have this debate yeah. about whether or not they should be organized with a larger group or whether they are just about their family. And I like that that's reflected in the nature of the show and the challenge being like at a certain point, you know, if you really want to make a big change, we need more than just the five of us. Yeah. Right. Like it, we need to expand this. And I like that people have dipped in and out of their lives. And yes, we do have these other characters along the way, but um, most of them, you know, are there for a while and then go on their way. So I think it 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 is nice to tie up some of the loose ends left by Clone Wars, but I don't feel like, I mean, in a certain extent, it is a continuum, right? Like, in the same way that Clone Wars sort of glues together parts of the prequel, this glues together, you know, in the interregnum period there between the end of the, the prequels and the beginning of the original movies. So I, I kind of appreciate that we get to tie up parts of Clone Wars, especially since they didn't get an ending to that show while also dealing with these characters. So, so far, I, it hasn't bothered me that they've expanded the scope that much because it does uh, make so many opportunities to bring in interesting other characters and have our characters bounce off them. And I'm kind of curious to see, with one season left to go, how they wrap that up. I, um, I, given that I haven't seen Clone Wars, so I'm not always aware of all the history. Um, mostly I'm aware of character names and what they did in the universe. It's never felt like the series, to me, has departed too much from those like core five characters it's always been about them yes other people come in and yes they have stories that relate to our characters but i never feel that the characters that i care about the most that i'm watching the show for have been neglected for the sake of other characters it's just their inclusion has made the universe bigger and more complicated and grander and more exciting to me mm -hmm. so i find it works really well i have one well okay two no i have three parting shots about rebels <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, Rebels Season 3 has three things in it that are just utterly magnificent. First of them is my favorite Star Wars story of all time. And it's a very simple, quiet story about lightsaber training. Um, oh. That is, it is a magnificent episode where there is no villain. There are just two characters, Kanan and one other character. Chip is being elliptical now, but where we get character development in pressure that's not related to life or death, but just personal development is just an amazing. That is my, hands down, my favorite Star Wars story ever, even more so than Empire Strikes Back. Second thing, the less said about it to avoid spoilers, the better, but there's also a close runner-up for that is The Return of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, that was heavily publicized. That is a season three story, and oh, wow. And then finally, Alyssa Frankie, 
Liz Miles, how did we get through this far into the conversation without talking about Tom Baker? I, yeah. I know. I was, I was like, what's going on? What are, you, what, are you t- what are you talking about? I'm here to talk about Star Wars. God damn it. He is in. He is there. We can, know, we can pull this in. <laughs> Doctor Who's own Tom Baker is I the voice can... of the the embodiment of the neutrality of the Force, the Bindu. You can, ju- yes. you can just say magic tree. <laughs> yes. Well, that was that was pretty thrilling. I, I, I loved how I had remembered seeing the announcement that he was going to be in it and a bit about his character. Then I completely forgot until I was actually watching it and going, hang on a second. I know that voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so great because like he has such an incredible voice. Like why does he do voiceover work all the flipping time? But well, it's- watch UK adverts and he does about half of them. Oh, well, okay. Well, that's good to know. I don't get a lot of UK adverts over here, but uh, it's just, it's so cool. Like, I'll be honest, I haven't seen all of Rebels. I haven't seen a lot of it. I I may have been selectively going through like YouTube clips of like everything that's been uploaded about Tom Baker's character, because it's just so fascinating and cool. And uh, I love it. That is my fan rant. Oh, any final thoughts to throw into the pot about Star Wars Rebels? I would say that the uh, one of the I do like Jedi. I mean, I've since I was I was eight, and when I saw the first one, and I I was a Luke Skywalker, not a Han Solo kid. You know, I wanted to have the lightsaber, and uh, both Rebels and the Clone Wars get very interesting about going deep on what the Force is and what it means. And there's lots of lore and and interesting stuff. And you know, the Tom Baker character is is really a, a whole new take on the Force. I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, if you like the Force, there's a lot in there to learn. I think from the series that are canon. I yeah, I mean, I for me, Rebels. I started out kind of skeptical and was like, I'll give this a shot, but maybe it'll just be a very cartoony kids show. And I've been so impressed with it and so delighted with all the care that they take and the fact that you know, under Filoni's stewardship, it's clear how much love and reverence they have for the source material and how much they want to sort of work within those bounds while pushing things forward. And so I, I've just been, these characters to me have become, you know, equally indelible in, in many ways as some of the the main characters from the movies. And watching them over this period of time has been really just a, a fun journey. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next and whether perhaps any of our Rebels characters might reappear if it's a series set in the future again. You never know. You never, you never know. know. My money would be on a series set after Return of the Jedi, but that's just guessing. Hey, you could have like a like a thirty year old Ezra or something. It's possible. We could bring back Ahsoka Tano. (laughs) She lives forever. She she never dies. She's never allowed. Ahsoka lives. Yeah, The Apprentice lives. I just uh, uh, random brilliant things that I love and adore about Rebels as as last thought things. Um, I, I as I've said, the finales to all three series I think are absolutely amazing stuff. I think most of the two parts throughout the series are really, really good, big, epic stories, which is astonishing given that you know it's just it's just a cartoon. They're just like forty minutes long when there are two parts. Nothing, and yet so much stuff. One in particular, which isn't the series finale, is in season three where we get uh, a Sabine Wren story where she goes home, and we get stuff about her family. And one of my most delightful things that I love in my science fiction which comes so rarely is we have serious mother-daughter issues going on mm. and uh, it ends with a delicious lightsaber fight alas not between mother and daughter which um, is 
uh, did happen in Star Wars The Old Republic, which was like, oh my heart, this is perfect. <laughs> uh, but we do have Sabine fighting someone else with a lightsaber, despite the fact that she's not a Jedi. And it's just always, I love to see women fighting with lightsabers. It's, it just makes my heart so happy. And, uh, and in the end, something happens in that. And she decides, she walks away from a... a Sorry, she walks away from killing someone and then he of course turns around to try and kill her and her mother shoots him dead and it's just like oh my god I know that's a spoiler for thing but forget it by the time you get there you'll have forgotten if you care about spoilers and but really it was just it was just a magnificent moment that I was cheering delightfully um there's been a lot of characters as, as uh, we said that have come in from from other stuff. I think the standout one for me has been Mon Mothma, who again love her, and she made me cry. God, another time when the series made me cry when she was like speaking in the Senate against the Emperor and then calling for the for the Rebel Alliance. It's like, oh my God, you're so epic, Mon Mothma. You're the best one. And, Mon- uh, and that's fact- a, that's an epic Mon Mothma moment. But I also just like a conversation in a cockpit over coffee with Mon Mothma and Harrison Duo. Yeah. That's just that's- kick butt. Yeah, that was the other side of her that we get to see not just Mon Mothma, the symbol and the political rebel leader, but we also get to see Mon Mothma a little bit of the person. And I was like, oh, this is why I love this cartoon because it's got so much time for the people moments. And oh, I wanted to talk about uh, just briefly Through Imperial Eyes, which is uh, another third season episode, which was just amazing. Um, it was uh, it's about extracting a rebel spy from an imperial ship, and it's just it's just such a stupendously well written, complex, beautifully timed. A, what's the right word? I want to say heist, but it's not a heist. Spy movie type thing, and it makes me so happy because the rebels and the spy are very very clever. And the Empire and Thrawn are also extremely extremely clever, and it's just so magnificent how. The both sides get to be so sodding clever, and it's very equally weighed as to who comes out on top here. And it was just watching it without knowing what was going to happen. It was so exciting. It's one of the, the certainly one of the best twenty minutes of Rebels that I've seen, and probably one of the best twenty minutes that we've had of Star Wars. And just a final shout out: Graham of Tarkins in this sometimes. That's Peter mm-hmm. Cushing, obviously also, not the real Peter Cushing, but still. Also Wedge. Oh, yes. I don't care about Wedge. Sorry, Wedge. <laughs> oh, you're, you're brutal. Oh, brutal. Always Tarkin. getting the short straw. <laughs> I'm not going to look back at the signed uh, Dennis Lawson picture on the wall behind me. <laughs> oh, God. Good, good, good shout out, though, on Tarkin there, Liz. I think oh. Tarkin is animated more convincingly here than in Rogue One. <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, burn. Blasphemy. Blasphemy, good sir. Shots fired. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? Pew, pew. If someone had told me Tarkin was going to be in Rogue One, then I'd be like, "That's a silly idea, isn't it?" But when it was actually on screen, I believed I was pointing and going, "Oh my god, it's Peter Cushing! I love it." <laughs> I hate myself. I'm so sorry. So we have two big series, two big important series. One of them, a sprawling historical epic. The other, a scrappy band of freedom fighters, a family drama, uh, and. In both shows, lots of lots of pew, pew, pew. So one last thing that I wanted to throw out as sort of a lightning round is I think one of the things that makes Clone Wars and Rebels so important to us, uh, to, to at least certain certain fans, is you know the sense of expanding the story. There is this thing that we loved when we were kids or we came to later in life, Star Wars, even when it's not done well, prequels, that, that there is something really compelling about it that captures the attention. And I was I wanted to ask around the table what some other Star Wars stories 
were outside of the outside of the movies out that you encountered over the years that really stuck with you uh, for a lifetime. When you think about Star Wars and you're not thinking about the movies or these two series, what else do you think about or what else do you love? In before Dan. Uh, oh, <laughs> I was about to try and swoop and get it. You I want to try to turn this Dan. into a draft, but here uh, we go. The- here we go. Uh, the X-Wing uh, flight sim game is probably like oh, the canonical. Good. good choice. Yeah. I have- so was that was that yours, Dan, or did you? No, have something I was else? gonna I was gonna take the Zon trilogy, which is oh, my okay. well, we my personal that. favorite. Um, I've reread those so many times; they've been influences on like stuff I've written. Um, it's just I. And like Tony said, some of that is born out of having that long fallow period where we didn't have any Star Wars stories. But I really just enjoy the characters created and developed there. And those those stories still feel like Star Wars to me in a, in a way I that I read so many other books after that. And yeah. most of those were fairly underwhelming. But so many of the characters and the ideas in there are just still stuck in my memory from this day. I don't know if they're the best Star Wars books, but they're the best of the 40 or so that I've read. They are definitely the best of the ones that I have read, and I've read many. (laughs) Liz, Alyssa, and David, what are your favorite go-to Star Warsies? Oh, well, now that you've mentioned X-Wing, I'm like, oh my god, I've got so many memories of that. I've actually, I was sitting about two and a half meters from me is the very first computer game that I ever bought with my own, well, my pocket money at the time, Rebel Assault, which oh, I absolutely love. <laughs> and that was like, yeah, it's still, it's, I've got it on a shelf with a bunch of old games that are still on um, two, is it three and, a, three and a quarter inch discs. Can't play them anymore, of course, but I like to keep the packets. Um, but yeah, no, that was very thrilling. But the actual, the, the sort of Star Wars story that I most put my emotions through the ringer and made me love Star Wars forever was um, when I got advised, uh, I was I bought an Xbox when I was at university and I was like, what do I do with this? What should I play? I want to play an RPG. What's that? All right. And I got recommended Knights of the Old Republic. And then I, I think I disappeared for a weekend where <laughs> more than one person had te- texted me saying, are you dead? What are you doing? <laughs> and the fact was that I had uh, spent the entire time in a dark, dark room in front of my television playing Knights of the Old Republic, saving the Old Republic from the, the Sith Empire. This this is a canon that takes place several thousand years before the original Star Wars movies. And in it, you get to, well, you get to play a Jedi and you have an epic story and it's absolutely sodding magnificent. It's filled with brilliant characters, gorgeous banter, lightsaber battles, women oh, who are Jedi, and... It, I it's yeah it's also, HK forty seven. I always HK forget that again. Of course. Not a character that's actually in the movies, but a character that is like one of my top ten favorite Star Wars characters. Absolutely, so. HK forty seven, who is the most perfect droid who isn't Chopper, and uh, and also <laughs> embarrassingly, perhaps I had my first ever video game crush on it on Carthonasi, who I was like, I love you. Can we get married? Why are you just in a computer game? Um, yeah, which is also why I and the. The Old Republic continued on with another computer game, which was also quite good, but I didn't enjoy it so much because I wanted my guys back, not these people. who were, My guys were only in cameos. But then there was the the Old Republic Empmorg, which I've spent a terrifying amount of hours on, you know, doing battle against the Empire, or more often against the Republic, let's be fair. Um, yeah, that stuff. Old Republic, two thumbs up. I'm going to just be very brief. I When I went looking for more Star Wars material, I went looking through fan fiction and fan comics. So I mentioned <laughs> Contrasts earlier, which is sort of my favorite current thing that I'm reading. But like, I spent way too much time in fanfiction.net with 
wonderful fix-it fanfic that, you know, gave uh, Padme an actual realistic character arc and didn't just, like, fridge her for the sake of it. So that's what I went to when I wanted more Star Wars. Yeah, I, I am all of the above, I would say. But the, uh, more recently, some of the, the authors writing the books that are coming out now, I think, are doing a pretty good job. I, I was a huge fan of the Zahn trilogy, Dan. And Timothy Zahn wrote a new book on Thrawn, which I just finished reading. And uh, I would recommend that as something kind of recent. Uh, because, you know, Thrawn's an interesting guy. He's super smart, but he works in a system that is basically racist and has no you know tolerance for minorities, which he is. And um, and he tells kind of the story of Thrawn. How how does he end up in the Empire and and how does he deal with being, you know, Chiss in a world where I guess you'd call them humans are are generally who's favored. So it was really good. I enjoyed that book. That's the most recent thing I read outside of these series. When I think about Star Wars, I think about uh, several years ago when I had a lot more free time and when the game was still living, uh, I was one of the one of those hardy few who hung out with his friends on Tatooine and Naboo and other planets in Star <gasps> oh, Wars yeah. Galaxy. Oh, dear. Oh. Grinding grind rats. That Zeke was... Making rifle barrels. Making <laughs> yeah. rifle barrels. That was... That, the whole Moving po- your minds. Yeah. The whole, oh, the whole point you. of that game back in the day was... Uh, it was it was designed by Raph Koster. It was, a, it was an attempt... They they figured that they didn't have the technology to make constant story the kinds of things that uh, uh, the old Republic does now. So they Ooh. they tr- so they tried to lean into living in the Star Wars world. And if you had a group of friends around you who were similarly afflicted, it was actually quite compelling. And I am in part oddly enough, in part I am a podcaster now because I listened to a podcast about star wars galaxies with a couple of awesome. with a couple of a couple of guys whose character names were yivitz and mr bubble look it up it's really weird but it was a it was something that uh it was something that not only the game um the game immersed me in the star wars universe that i had already that i had always loved and it was also fun listening to podcasts about people who were simultaneously loving and mercilessly mocking the game simultaneously I I was one of those guys who played Star Wars Galaxies and 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 got really angry about it when they changed it and put Jedi on every cor- street corner. <laughs> so uh, Star Wars is a Jedi sto- inflation is a serious problem. <laughs> <laughs> seriously was on that game. So uh, there's an awful lot of Star Wars beyond uh, six movies or three movies if you're trying to uh, defend your uh, mind a little bit um, and two um, excellent, excellent television shows which if you enjoyed our conversation about Clone Wars and Rebels, let us know and we may actually come back and talk about specific episodes or t- story arcs or whatever you like on uh, the TV podcast. So let us know what you think. I really do appreciate you all joining me talking about this. Thank you to Jason for uh, surrendering the mic on this episode. Dan Morin, thank you so much. Uh, may the force be with you, Chip. And also with you, Liz Miles, thank you. Thank you. That's fun. <laughs> David Sparks. Thanks for having me on. Alyssa Frankie. May the forces of others be with you. <laughs> and not Tony. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not Tony. <laughs> Tony. Tony Sindelar. Carapast. I mean, goodbye. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, and we will see you next time on The Incomparable. Dan, he eats a guy. <laughs> <laughs>
Chip, I was going to say, I always wanted to play Galaxies. My my memories of this are from being in college when it came out, and my friend went and played a bunch of it, and all he, all he, had, all he was doing was making rifle barrels every day, and it sounded like the most <laughs> impressive thing. But for me, I was when I was a teenager uh, in high school, I used to play um, mushes, which are like muds, kind of, and I mm-hmm, had, was on mm-hmm. a Star several yeah. Star Wars ones, and those for me are my like totally immersive even though we're all like text-based like i was totally immersed in those my friend and i tried to build our own and we had like all these like little programmed things that you could interact with it was like uh you know like a carbon freezer on bespin and all that stuff and those were amazing and i always wanted galaxies to like take that to the next level and i was so just so depressed when i heard about how grindy it was yeah yeah Uh, i had a couple of my brother and my oldest friend uh talked about playing until like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. one night, just fishing and watching the sunrise in that game. And that's not especially Star Wars-y and iconic, but there is something that's actually kind of appealing in a kind of a second life kind of way. That is kind of awesome. There's always a weird thing where, like, I mean, that's like Rothkoster's big work, and he literally has written a book on, like, his theory of fun, and I'm like, I don't know if I trust you, dude. So... (laughs) Because it's not, it's not fishing. I looked in, I looked in the dictionary. I saw the definition of fun. I'm not sure this applies. Hey, he's done yeah. other good things, but yes. When and I played Galaxies, in... I had built this empire of mines. That I had, you know, I was making money off harvesting David the Sparks, land. The mine king. Yes, and and I remember driving home from work one day, saying, "I got to get home and move my mines." <laughs> and I heard myself. I'm like, "I got to get home and cancel my Galaxies account." <laughs> so much better about the fact that I've ground through missions and things to get credits in order to buy pot plants for my Yavin base and I'm like at least I'm cool. You guys are not selling me and going back and playing this game. No, not that no. you can. The game, but... the game doesn't exist although there are emulators You're out there. You're not making there. me feel bad about missing it. Let me put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It was great though. It was you, you were in Star Wars but I remember playing it when they put across the screen that a Jedi had unlocked somewhere in a galaxy and it was like, woo. And, and you're right. Like chip, like later it was like, everybody was a Jedi. I remember like, that I, being such a big thing that like they were going to limit it and people were so angry and then they opened it up and, and everyone else was so angry. There was basically no way to win that. Tell hath like no fury, like an entitled MMORPG player. That, that is the one thing I knew about star Wars galaxies. I, ha- I haven't played it, but that I knew about the Jedi controversy. That came onto the message. The Jedi controversy. <laughs> People are really accurate. About People, it. austerity is uh, it's controversial. It so. actually made the New York Times. It actually yeah. made the New York <laughs> oh Times. God. 